And I surely love you with all my heart. I want to talk about today the joyful sounds. There's so many sounds in the earth, but I want us to recognize the joyful sound that that wells up in our heart when we talk about Christ and that when, when we talk about giving thanks for the goodness of God and we talk about his birth and we talk about his resurrection, there's supposed to be a joy in our heart and it's a joy that overpowers the noise of the world. So I want to welcome you this morning, first Sunday of Advent, or kind of out of sync. We didn't get to have our Thanksgiving dinner together, but we'll catch up. I promise that as soon as we can, we'll, we'll catch up. If we have to sit, sit, uh, so far apart, we'll just have to build a new basement <laughs> so we can so we can have our fellowship. I'm missing the good food, and I'm missing the fellowship. But this is a time uh, we need to pause in the midst of the stress and the anxiety of the day and just remember that, you know, God's gift to us and remember our salvation. You know, we know we're saved. We have that... Uh, reservation intact but sometimes when the devil harasses us we forget that we have that salvation and with joy we shall draw out of the wells of salvation so our joy is not in the things of this world our joy is in the things of God so it's our savior's birth once more and I thought to myself this is probably my 37th or 38th message on the birth of Christ, so I, drew, I drew, went back into the Ike the archives, and I said, "What what is there that will revive my spirit, you know? And what is there that we can see a new revelation on?" And and as I looked at it, at it, I thought, "What does Advent mean?" And I remembered that I was sitting on the platform with one of my workers, none of you one of the former workers and we were sitting there and I and I whispered to the team up here and remember this is advent and my co-worker sat next to me said now what is advent after 7 years they wanted to know now what is advent and I remembered that so I looked it up in the dictionary I know that what advent means it means the the coming you know of Christ of course to us it means the coming of Christ I looked it up in the dictionary this year, and it was really interesting. It says Advent means the arrival of a notable person or event. And I thought, well, we're double blessed. We've got the person, and we've got the event. We've got the Christ, and we've got his birth, and we've got the resurrection. How how grateful how grateful we are. So, uh, the theme of our Advent this year is Hear the Joyful Sounds. And today I want to talk about the joyful sounds of the prophets. As I looked into the Word of God, and I found that Advent is also a time of preparation. Uh, when they, When a notable person is coming or there's a big event coming, there's a lot of preparation that goes into it. And I think that everyone here will agree that we have preparation for Christmas. You know, we want to get out the Christmas tree and we, we want to get out the decorations. If, if you're past 70, you don't want to do that. But, you know, up to 70, you want to get out all the decorations and do everything. <laughs> and you want to go away when it's time to put all that stuff away. But, uh, you know, we we get ready. We prepare. 
And at least if we that don't do the decorations, we do say Merry Christmas, and we do have a few things that, that we do. But uh, to think about a notable person and to think about the notable event that's taking place, if ever there's a day that the church should be alive and well and hearing the joyful sound, it's this day as we celebrate not just his birth. His birth is the coming, but there's a second coming that is coming, which is more powerful than than uh, we can even uh, imagine. So the coming of God's promise, that's what we're talking about. How do we know that this is the truth? How do we know this is the Christ? How, how can we vindicate the fact when somebody says, well, I don't know about the Bible. You know, I don't know who wrote it. I don't know how it's right. Who is God? You know, who, how do you know about him? It all happens because of the sound of the prophets. And this is Isaiah, as Wendy read this morning. This is the joyful sound of the prophet Isaiah. And, and, uh, he has, he has given us the message that we know this is the birth of our Christ. I read in Psalm 89:15 it says, Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. So I'm going to ask the Lord today to, to revive the joyful sound in us. You know, instead of being, uh, reminded of the harassment, of the enemy and the things that have gone wrong in our world and in our society and perhaps in our home or our life. Just let us go into the spiritual realm and let us hear the joyful sound. In that realm, there's forgiveness, there's hope, there's joy. You know, it's, it's, uh, I love that song. It is joy unspeakable and what? Full of glory. Hallelujah. That's the joyful sound. So, as we hear the joyful sound of prophecy, it will draw drowned out the noise of the day that turns us to, to fear and anxiety. So before we get to Isaiah, I want to, I want to hear the sound of Micah the prophet, Micah 5-2. This is how we know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. This is the sound of the prophet Micah, and he says, God you know, chose a small place. It says he chose a small place among the thousands of the options that God could have sent Jesus anywhere to be born, but he sent him to this small place. And it says, Thou Bethlehem, though thou be little among the thousands of Judea. That's just powerful, isn't it? Bethlehem, this small place, this insignificant place. Sometimes we feel that way here when we see the mega churches and all those things. But, you know, God loves the places where he can meet with his people. And, and in a small place, there is, you know, in a small place, there's a relationship. In a large place, there, there's, just, there's just, you know, fellowship, but there's not that relationship. So it says, Thou Bethlehem, though thou be little among the thousands of Judea, and probably you know this by heart because we've quoted it every year. Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be the ruler in Israel. You know, this is a day when we're looking for the ruler in our country. You know, but we already have a ruler. And it's Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And it says he will come forth to be a ruler in Israel. And at this point in time, he is he is ruling in Israel and hopefully he's ruling in the hearts of mankind and I love the last part of this verse it says whose goings forth have been from old from everlasting 
Can you even envision Christ in eternity with God before all of this happened? And he hears the prophet, and he probably looks at the father and says, Oh, that's where I'm going. I'm going to Bethlehem. You know, you had thousands of choices in Judea, and you chose Bethlehem. You know, sometimes we do some little thing. I have people have been so kind, and I say, oh, thank you, and they say, oh, that's nothing. But, you know, a little thing is important to God just as much as a big thing. And maybe sometimes more a little thing is more important than a big thing. You know, it's nothing is ever smile, small with God. You know, he chose to bring forth his son into a small village. He chose to bring forth his son from the from the glories of eternity, that he would be a ruler in Israel. He's going to be a ruler ultimately of the whole world. And yet he sent him to the small place of Bethlehem. So when you do a charitable thing, whether it's small or whether it's large, when you do something that will glorify the kingdom of God or will help a saint in their time of need, God looks at that as something that's very notable and very important. And we need more charitableness in our Christian walk today. And, I, and I'm thankful for the charitableness that I have received in these past few weeks. So a small thing that you might think is a small thing or unimportant is powerful to God. I hear the joyful sound coming out of John, John the first chapter and one through four. And this is so important. But, you know, he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. I mean, we're talking about from the eons of time, God is God and Christ is Christ. And it says the same was in the beginning with God. Sometimes people forget that Jesus was in the beginning with God. In this passage of scripture says all things were made by him and without him was nothing made that was made. Sometimes I think we forget that Christ is the part of the creative force that's in our earth today. Can you imagine Christ developing those beautiful mountains and the rivers and the things that we have that are so beautiful? You can't buy them. You know, it's just things that God has given to us. And Jesus was with him in the beginning when all this happened. And he was watching all the things that his father did. And the final verse of that scripture, uh, for verse 4 says, In Jesus was life, and in the life was the light of man. Is your light shining? Is your light on? I don't think you can turn your light off. I think it might get down to a spark, but hey, God's light is always on. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes you get in the darkness and you wonder, is the light on? But yes, it's on. Trust me. The word of God says, in him was life and he was the light of man. So talk about everlasting Jesus' word in us, light, as long as we keep him first, more, for, 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 foremost in our heart and in our life. And when we get into a trial, a tribulation, we just think, God, turn your light a little brighter. Help me to see it, sense the power of your presence a little more. Because that's when he's evident. You know, when we had 9-11, he was evident. People called on him. People wanted him. People trusted in him. Because the moment a hand was disastrous. But when the disaster was gone, 
the light diminished in humanity and it will light again it will come it will come forth again because there will be more such circumstances that cause that light to have to beam in us and i i'm thankful that the light of christ is in us you know when discouragement comes stress anxiety worries some things have been in our life we've worried our whole life we've been concerned our whole life maybe things transpired in our life that caused heartache and we've kept that stress in our life the whole time and this is the advent a notable person the highest notable person that can ever enter into us is here and we need to let those things go let those anxieties go let those past circumstances fade and let the light of christ you know fill us because he's more important than the stresses of yesterday and so as we look at at we look at this uh, thought this morning you know, stress, anxiety, worry, and basically the cares of this world. Jesus said, don't let the cares of this life, you know, take away your power, your glory, your light. And I think it's important in this season to say this because, you know, the the world is is out there. They're shining. You know, you drive down the street, at least there's going to be one house with lights and some some streets are full of lights and there's a, the world has turned on their lights but those lights pass away it's only the light of Christ that is a beacon in, in our heart and life that will last so we look at the scripture what a joyful sound the sound of he was in the beginning with god the sound of the prophets that prophesied the sound of the fact that he they know that he would be born in bethlehem you get over in the New Testament and it says there in Bethlehem was born the Son of God. They called his name Emmanuel. The lights of Christmas should be in the hearts of the saints more than it's in the lights of the world. And we are we recognize that. And I decided that every time I went down the street and saw lights after I got this message, I decided when I saw those lights, I would say, Thank you, Lord, for your light that lives in me. Because we need to remember that his light is in us, even in times of discouragement and stress, even in times of fear. And I know we're not fearful, and yet our our flesh is, has a tendency to have fear. But his light in us overwhelms the fear that the enemy sends. So his sound is that he is to be ruler. He is a divine ruler. Today, if there's ever a day where we're concerned about who is going to rule our world, it's Christ. It's Christ. And he doesn't have any agenda but to be good to us. He has only one agenda to bring us into eternal life, to bring us into heaven. That That is the ruler. Oh, we may have a ruler here in this in this world, but this world belongs to God. And he is the ruler that God has set forth. In Isaiah chapter 7, you have to understand what was going on in Isaiah's day. It was a time of warfare. And it was a time of trouble. And Judah was being invaded by Assyria. It's a dark moment for the Jewish nation. And this is the way the chapter begins in chapter 7. But, you know, in verse 14... We hear the joyful sound coming out of the prophet Isaiah. And he says, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. I mean, the world likes a sign. You know, they like a sign that says for sale. 
They like a sign that says, you know, go to the grocery store today because you got this magazine and everything's on sale. And we know we know that everything has been diminished to what it should have been to start with. But nonetheless, we see the signs, right? We follow the signs. The television gives us signs at every moment. Buy this car. Do it now. And even the religious, this is so funny because even the religious programs, they stop in the middle, this is true, they stop in the middle of a sermon to hawk their books and their tapes. And then they go like, it's on sale, it's on sale, and do it now. Pick up the phone now and call. I'm waiting to hear from you. I know it by heart, church. <laughs> and I sit there and I go, oh, God, don't let me be critical but why are they stopping the sermon to do that? Because there's a worldliness that creeps into our life without us recognizing it. And we need to be strong and firm. So <coughs> Isaiah verse 14, chapter 7, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So first of all, Excuse me. He's to be born in Bethlehem. Can you even imagine what the people thought when they said a virgin shall come forth with a son? What did the people think? Well, the people was much like some people today. They just thought that, what does that mean? That does, I don't know what that means. I just let it go. But the word of God is full of joyful sounds that had to be a joyful sound in the midst of the war in the midst of judah's suffering then god comes along with the sound there's going to be a sign and something good is going to happen and the and so <coughs> excuse me and in verse in isaiah 9 6 it says for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and the government it, are we worried about our government today? We're not worried. We're concerned, right? This is, but the government shall be upon his shoulder. Never, I've read that for all these years, but never have I understood the depth of what God was saying. Because we are worried. We are concerned about our government today. And we are concerned about the unrest and the strife and those things that's going on. And here, it, here is the sound of the prophet Isaiah. And he says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. In this very moment of prophetic utterance, we are told that the government shall be upon his shoulder. He is wonderful. He's a counselor. He's a mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. That's who our ruler is. That's who we serve. That's who lives in us. Oh, church, this is a year that there is so much trial and so much tribulation. And yet this is an hour for let the praises ring because we have a Savior, because we have a high potentate that is above all the elements of this world. Whether we like what we see or whether we like it or we don't like it, we have a ruler who is born, who is king, who is, even though we don't see him, he's still in charge and he's man, he's manifesting himself even in the government as we speak. He doesn't only save us from hell, church, but he gives us counsel and he gives us peace. I, I've passed this church 
and on their sign it says, pray for peace. And I think we should say we have peace because Christ lives in us. And who is he? He's the Prince of Peace. So what we need to say is, Lord, let me recognize that you are the Prince of Peace and you do live in me. And you are more powerful than the stress and the anxiety that the enemy wages against me. Oh, let the sounds of worship enter our spirit and enter our heart. The enemy has ravished our nation and tried to take away everything that is dear to us, keep us from church, keep us from education, keep us from the things that we know that are are needful for our lives, and yet we have Jesus. And he is more important and more needful than anything that we could ever need. Psalm 95.1 says, Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise unto the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Make a joyful noise unto him with psalms, for the Lord is great and a great king above all gods. We have no gods in this earth except him. Sometimes we look up to people as gods. And in our government issues today, I think that there are gods. But I tell you, there is no God greater than our God, Jehovah. And this says, let us sing unto the Lord. You know, it's hard to make a joyful noise when you don't feel joyful. But if Christ truly lives in you, there has to be a spark of joy in our life and we have to draw from those wells of salvation and we have to draw from those wells of joy and we have to say I might not feel like it but I'm going to be joyful because you live in me you're the counselor the prince of peace the mighty God I think we need more messages on the mighty God how mighty God is he's more powerful than our government he's more powerful than our than our bills he's more powerful than the stress and the anxiety that we feel and our flesh is always going to feel the anxiety of the day but our spirit is more powerful than our flesh if we will give him glory seven times in the book of psalms he says make a joyful noise i'm glad that includes me because i can't sing beautiful like these people but i can make a joyful noise and seven times he says make a joyful noise now church you know what a joyful noise is if you're a football fan and your football football game wins you make a joyful sound eh I mean, they make fools of themselves. They paint their face. They do make, they do all sorts of things joyfully because their team is winning. And church, we're on the winning team. We are on the winning team. If there ever should be a joyful sound, a joyful shout, a a joyfulness in our life is this day, even though the enemy seems to seek to triumph over what is going on in our world, God is greater. He is so much greater. Oh, the joyful sounds of the saints. And clapping, singing, shouting, musical instruments. I love our musical instruments. You know, sounds that come out of our soul. Sounds that come out of the light that lives in us, the light of Christ. God has done wonderful things in our world if we would just use our spiritual eyes. It's so easy to see with the normal eye, the, that, that normal fleshly eye. But we need to go beyond the flesh and see the spiritual things that God is doing in the earth today. Because God is speaking in a supernatural way. And we, we miss his voice because 
were caught up in the sounds of the world. But it's the joyful noise of praise because of our redemption, because of his greatness, because of his goodness. You know, the disciples, we are his disciples, and we need to rejoice. The disciples questioned Jesus one day. They came to him in Acts 1.6, and the disciples said to him, and they came to, it's when they came together, they asked Jesus, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? That sounds like us, doesn't it? Lord, who are you going to let rule our country? And they came to Jesus and they asked him, and he says, Wilt thou at this time restore unto us the kingdom? It's restore the kingdom to Israel. They were concerned about government issues way back there. We're concerned today, aren't we? And Acts 1 7 is Jesus' answer. And Jesus said unto him, Hey, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. I want to know this. How, how, how many want to know what's going on? That's why we watch the news. That's why we don't watch the news anymore. You know, because it's not for us to know the times and the seasons, Jesus said. And he says, the Father has put this in his own power. So what's going on in our society today is the Father, God, is putting things in his own power. Both the sounds of Jesus' words, they they strike our our heart today, they they strike our spirit today, you know, because we do desire to know this. And verse verse eight, Jesus follows up after he says, "You don't need to know the times and the seasons." He says, "But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem. That's in our home." And in Judea, in our community, in our state, and in Samaria, and in America. Those are my words. But Jesus' words said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And we are supposed to do things to the other nations of the world. That's why we give to missions. That's why we pray for the missionaries. That's why we read the, the, the stories of the martyrs. Because we are to be witnesses to the end of the world. Consider the glorious sound that follows this passage of scripture. You know, it's the mighty rushing wind that came upon the disciples on the day of Pentecost. It had a sound. Oh, Jesus, I want to hear that sound today. I want that sound to liven Christianity that we might see his holiness and his righteousness and that we might feel the wind of his spirit moving in in his house and in our life and in our families. What a glorious sound. I mean, that sound reached the infidels. They said, what, what are these people doing? They're drunk. It's only the first hour of the day, whatever that was, whatever time that was, and they're drunk. And Peter stood up and he says, these aren't, these people aren't drunk. They've heard the sound. They've heard the sound of God. They've heard the sound of the Spirit. It's transforming them. It's breathing power into them. We need to have power. 
of God in our lives, that we can be overcomers of the stress and the anxiety, and we can be at peace to see what it is that the ruler, the king of Israel, is going to do in our life. I got to hear an amen. I mean, church, God is alive and well. Christ is alive and well. And he is to be the ruler in Israel. And finally, it's in his court. And out of Israel will come that wind of the Spirit of God that we need. It's the God of sound. It's not just a blowing. The Bible talks about that. We need to see the rustle in the mulberry trees. We need to see the rustle of God's Spirit in our life until, until we are just invigorated with the light of Christ that lives in us. I'm talking about a joyful sound today. I'm talking about the psalmist that that writes about it. He didn't experience it. The psalmist said, there's there's going to be this. This is going to happen. Virgin's going to conceive. There's going to be a child born in the midst of war. He's saying this. Probably everybody says, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it was happening. You know, it was in process. It was in progress. That's way over in Isaiah. But over in Matthew, it happened. And in Matthew, it talks about there that 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 there's going to be an end to all this. There's going to be a coming of the Lord. And, and he said it in Matthew, and it's going to happen in the days ahead. It may happen in our own life. If it doesn't, we'll walk through the through the valley of the shadow of death, and we'll be met, and it'll be just as glorious as if we are transformed in the rapture. This is the giving season. We should not be concerned about the finances of the gifts. We should give gifts of love. They they don't have to be expensive. They can be expensive. But we should we should be gifting our families. We should be in touch with our families. We should call them up. If we haven't talked to them, our cousins, you know, we got cousins. We got we got aunts. We got uncles. We got people. I just decided this week I made a note. You got to write to 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 Joe Wayne, the Missouri. I got a whole family in Missouri. But since our parents are gone, that that communication is not not there. And yet they're 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 blood. They're family. And we need to let the joyful sound. We need to get on the phone and say, "Hey, Merry Christmas! We're celebrating Christ." You know, get get going on that. And they say, if somebody at the supermarket says. They, as you check out, they say, happy holiday. You say, oh, yes, it's the Lord's birthday. I'm so happy. You know, that, that gives us an opportunity. If they don't get mad because they say happy holiday, just know that God has given you an opportunity to, to proclaim his birth. And that's what we need to do. We need to have that joyful sound in us that we're not going through the season humdrum. Oh, okay, I spent all this money. Oh, I didn't do this right. I got to do that right. You know, no, this is the Lord's season. It's about him and how much we love him. And whatever gift we give glorifies him. And we're not concerned about other elements of this world. It's hard to do, church. Let us meditate upon the gifts that God has given to us. What does what he give to us? He gave us salvation. He shed his blood that we could have eternal life. I mean, there, that's the greatest gift giver of all. 
And so he forgives our sins. He sets it. Whatever has happened in our life is passed into the sea of forgetfulness. And we got, we got hurts and disappointments in our lives. Turn them over to him and let them go and start having the joyful sound of Christ in our life. It's good to talk about this now because as the year ends, I have a tendency to think back. Oh, years ago we did this on Christmas. I can't do that this anymore, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's the flesh talking. We need to hear the Spirit of God say, this is yet another glorious Christmas to celebrate the birth of Christ, to celebrate the gift of salvation, to celebrate the gift of forgiveness, to celebrate the goodness of God. Well, I pray that we will hear the sound of the Spirit of God. That's the sound that I want to hear in my heart, in my life, that will restore the joy of my salvation to me. Second Timothy 1, 6 and 7. I probably am long-winded today because I have had several sermons. But I'll, I'll be careful. But Second Timothy 1, 6 and 7 says, I, I, Paul wrote to Timothy, and, and he was a young man, and he says, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the what? What did he want him to stir up? The gift of God. The gift of God. If we could only think in terms of this season as stirring up the gift of God within us, stirring up our salvation, stirring up our the God that forgave us, stirring up that all those things of the past are gone, washed away, and we have today to hear the joyful sound of God. It says, for God hath not given us a spirit of fear, you know, and he has given us the power of love. And of a sound mind. Now as we get past 70. Me and Phyllis are talking here. You know you start saying. Oh I forgot that. Oh I forgot that. You go to the refrigerator. And you find something in it. That should not have been in the refrigerator. And the devil starts dealing with your sound mind. But you see the Bible says. And this is the word of the Lord to us. To all ages. He says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. We don't have to fear tomorrow. We don't have to fear who reigns in our society. We don't have to fear those kinds of things. He says, but we have to have the power of love and of a sound mind. A sound mind is loving Jesus with all of your heart and your soul, that the joy of the Lord, the light of Christ, will be revealed in you. So, I have a question for you this morning. How powerful is your worship? How powerful is your shout? I mean, if your ball game is winning, you have a powerful shout. But when God is winning, how powerful is our shout today? I just want to give you this couple of of, um, examples quickly. Joshua 6.20, and you know this. They said to Joshua, march around the city seven times. The seventh time, shout. And when they shouted, the walls came down. There needs to be some walls come down in Christianity. And the walls will come down if we will shout. Just get in your car, go to the sticks or go to the park, and just roll up your windows and just shout. 
you would be surprised what that would do for you. Just shout unto the Lord. You know, we talk about shouting in church, and yet we don't really raise our voice very much. And the scripture says that they shout. It will go around that place seven times, and the seventh time you shout. And if they and they shouted, and the walls came down. We need the walls, the satanic forces that the enemy's building walls all around us to keep us from the joy of the Lord, and to keep us from the joyful sound, and to keep us from the wind of the spirit. I know there is gifts of the spirit in this house, but walls are there. Because the enemy harasses God's people. And we need to shout down the walls that that are causing us to to not sense the power and presence of God in our life. In the midst of the battle, we need to hear the sound of joy. 1 Chronicles 14, 15, and 16. You know, this is when they were going to war. And they, they were outnumbered. Every, every If you read the Old Testament, they're always in war. And God is always coming forth through them. And they're always sinning. God has always forgiven them. And God is always renewing himself with them. He wants to renew himself in us today. And in this passage of scripture in First Chronicles, that there, there's this terrible war. And they says, listen, listen for the sound of the wind in the mulberry bushes. Just get in there and do your warfare and listen for the sound of the wind. A wind that will shake the mulberry bushes. A wind that will shake our lives and shake those bushes that we are grown up that have walled us off from the power of his presence. And so when they went to battle, it says, There shall be, thou shalt hear a sound of going in the tops of the mulberry trees, and then thou shalt go out to battle. For God is going forth before you to smite the Philistines. And we don't have Philistines today. I guess probably we do have Philistines. We have an enemy, don't we? But just know this, that when you go forth to battle, you know, instead of running from the battle, instead of falling on your bed and weeping and crying, you know, run to the battle. Listen for the sound of the mulberry bushes. Seven Chronicles 5.13 you know, it's a long thing. You have to really look at it all. But it says, you know, it shall come to pass. Somebody asked me once, is it in the Bible it shall come to pass? Well, here it is. It came to pass as the trumpeters and the singers, you know, were of one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice, the trumpets, the cymbals, the instruments of music, and they praised God, saying, For he is good, his mercy endureth forever. Then the house was filled with the cloud. Oh, Jesus, I want that. I want our house to be filled with the cloud of his presence. It says, So that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. This could happen. This could happen if we could release ourselves from the cares of this life and embrace the joyful sound of the prophetic word. For unto us a son is given, you know, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Hear the joyful sound. Let the cloud be there. Ezekiel 10, 4, The glory of the Lord went up from the cherubims, stood over the threshold of the house, and the house was filled with his glory. And verse 5 says, And the sound of the cherubim's wings 
was heard even to the outer court as the voice of Almighty God was heard. What the church needs today is to hear the voice of the Almighty God. We hear voices, great voices, great great congregations, but that's not important. What's important is that we hear the sound of Almighty God. What is it that Almighty God wants with us personally? What is he saying to us? You know, we have to have an ear to hear. In Revelation it says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And there's so many more scriptures, but I don't have time for that today. But it says that his voice is the sound of many waters. I was listening to to Jimmy Swagger. Not him, but somebody was preaching and they were singing. And all of a sudden, they were singing this glorious song of worship. And the whole, this, as far as you could see, is there was people. And they were worshiping, worshiping the Lord. Hands uplifted, souls worshiping. This is on television in a crusade of many, many, many people. You know, and all of a sudden, out of the sound of worship came a prophetic word. I was going, whoa. You know, because who would have thought that you could even hear this in this mighty crowd? And this voice came out of this prophetic word came out and it says, hear, oh, my people, worship me from the depths of your heart. And I thought, that is what God wants. That's so much what he wants. They were worshiping. See, but there can be worship from the lips. And there can not be worship from the depths of the heart and the soul. And God is speaking today. In the midst of the multitude, he spoke. And I was like, oh, that was awesome. His voice is the sound of many waters. I I could not, I could hear that voice just sound You know, they didn't take no mic to him or nothing. Everybody just bowed their heads. And they swept across this whole congregation. Hearts and heads were bowed. And this mighty voice, and I thought, that has to be a voice of the Lord, that he could be heard like that. And God wants to speak in our heart as powerful as that. And what he wants is our worship and our accolades. Let us hear the sound of the risen Savior. It says he's in the midst of the candlesticks. That's in the midst of the church. And it talks about how he looks. He has this huge garment on. His feet are like brass. And it, and when you read it, he has a sound of a trumpet, of a sound of a trumpet. And he's going to call his church home. You know, we need to know. That sound. What if that sound erupts and we don't hear it? I said, oh, Jesus, focus me on the sound of the trumpet. I want to be sure I hear it. Because I want to be sure that when the roll call comes, that I can hear that joyful sound. To hear his voice, church, is the most joyful sound of all. 
And you know what? You don't expect to hear him. Something goes off in you and it says, give sister so-and-so a phone call. Or help so-and-so. Take a casserole here. Do this. And we we do it because it it comes to our mind and we think, wow, I thought that. No, it's the sound of the Spirit of God moving in you. And when you become susceptible to that simple sound, you will hear mighty sounds. Because God is going to speak in the days ahead. 2021 is going to be an awesome, awesome year. When we we might be downtrodden, but we are going to hear his voice supernaturally. And he is going to speak to the church. And he's going to speak to the individual. And I believe that is a prophetic word to the church today. Be ready for it. Have ears to hear. And be ready to bring forth your shout unto God because the joyful sound is still in us no matter what goes on around us. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for giving us the sound of your spirit. We thank you, Lord, that we feel that you're going to blow through our hearts and our lives and our marriages and our relationships. Father God, we desire the wind of your spirit We desire the joyful sound to override the negative sounds in our life today. We give you praise and glory for the power of your word. May your word seep into our soul today, I pray. In Jesus' name, I ask that you would bless the offering today. Bless the gift and the giver. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.